This is one true pairing. This is the true story of more than just a man. This is the story of a man troubled with heartache, deceit, and vengeance. Follow along as you learn about the life and struggles of DJ Holmes. That fat bitch, he, he, how, how, what did you do once you realized what really happened? DJ's inquiry was sincere and did not belie how sensitive a moment DJ knew this was about to be. Well, I mean, I didn't really remember and I really didn't have proof, so there was nothing for me to do the next day other than to continue living my life. By the time I realized what actually happened, I was already in the chapter, and by that point, Tommy had already transferred to Dawn. There was no other choice for me but to simply move on, and no one in the chapter even suspects Tommy to like or have sex with men. While Payne spoke, DJ could feel the rate of Payne's heartbeat escalate and then slow as he recalled different moments. DJ took note of when Payne's heartbeat picked up and even noticed how the noise of the television seemed to have been put on mute even though neither of them reached for the remote on the coffee table. This entire conversation, though at times playful, was no doubt serious for both of them. But how did you process all that happened? asked DJ. I guess I would have been scared, weak, vulnerable. I mean, I'm allowing you to penetrate me even though I don't really want you to. Yes, I'm still allowing it to happen and don't always like it either, but you didn't have a choice in the matter. You were forced into it and didn't even have the pleasure of the sensuality involved with your first time. True, but while that was my first time, I don't remember it. What I do remember about what I consider my first time, it was special. I was lucky that it was with someone I was in a relationship with. And that special time happened before I learned about the rape. So you're saying that you've moved on from this? That this doesn't bother you at all? DJ Aspel was clearly agitated at Payne's assertions. DJ knew Payne well enough that he knew Payne was lying his ass off. I'm not saying that. All I'm saying is I don't want that raggedy motherfucker around you. Keep acting like that, Payne, and people will think that we're dating. And DJ couldn't help but throw that in there. He knew it would make Payne smile and at the same time subtly remind him that he had someone waiting on him to make things more official. As if on cue, Payne knew to deflect the obvious. He knew DJ had been angling to become more than just friends who, who fuck on a regular basis. But Payne wasn't ready to give up all the other guys he had on the side. Of course, DJ had no clue there were others. But at the same time, DJ was everything Payne could have ever wanted in a man. DJ was smart, driven, ambitious, tactful, and yet gutter. And the gutter part of his personality always expressed himself at the oddest of moments, which made Payne smile an unforgiving smile. 
DJ was polished almost to a fault and yet he had all those little nuances to his character that most people would never notice. He was equal parts strong and vulnerable. DJ's vulnerability came in those quiet moments when they were on the couch, like now. DJ laying on Payne's chest while Payne is sitting up with the arm of the sofa to his back and DJ's chest resting on Payne's midsection, watching TV and all he did was gaze into Payne's eyes. Payne always noticed when DJ did that. He knew DJ was quietly admitting the depths of the love he had for Payne. Because Payne wasn't ready to reciprocate those feelings openly, he could never return the gaze. However, he loved DJ just as much as DJ loved him. He simply refused to admit that to anyone, and especially to DJ. Plus, he had a sexual appetite that DJ could not match. DJ just didn't want to have sex as much as he needed, and DJ kept trying to penetrate him. What DJ didn't understand was the trauma Payne felt and experienced waking up and finding blood oozing out of Payne's tight box after he had been gangbanged. Payne wasn't certain he would ever want a man to insert himself there ever again. Payne decided to go in a different route with this conversation. He needed to make his point because DJ would circle the wagon throughout the entire conversation. DJ. What I need you to understand is that you will become an Epsilon if I have any say in the matter. But what I don't have any control over is Tommy. You know what he's capable of. And with you at dawn, you have no one to really protect you. You cannot let him near you. Peace and blessings, all you new love fans. You just heard the latest installment in the life of Donnie DJ Holmes. If you like what you're hearing and you like to read, check out my blog at onetruepairing.blogspot.com. Check out more new love. Yo, what's going on, fam? This is your boy DJ Holmes from New love. So what I decided to do, I decided to do something just a little different, just a little different. I decided that every so often what I'll do is I'll just come and I'll talk about what I've been writing about just to kind of get you, give you some, some insight into what was happening to me at that particular time. So, so far, what I can say is I was a junior in college. I had met someone I had met someone that I had truly had a crush on I mean to the point where like I would go home and you know this is the the days before cell phones um and so the only way that you could communicate with each other is actually call people on the phone so um the level of communication between two people was kind of limited like you kind of lived your life they lived their life um and you expected to hear from them like once a day <laughs> and that was about it so i would expect to get a call from you know a particular person this particular person he uh he would call late at night and would always try to get me to go over always 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 
and was so loud on the phone. And it was a cheap phone, and you remember those cheap phones were very, very loud, and everybody could hear. And so um, I had two roommates because my room was, like, extremely big. Um, and so he would call every night at an ungodly hour, and the phone was loud. And so I was just like, oh, my God, <laughs> my roommates know about me. <laughs> so anyway... So after, you know, getting to know him, going on a date, um, you know, of course, we befriended each other. And, you know, the whole time, you know, like you're trying to keep things under wraps. Like first, you know, you're just getting to know each other. So it's that whole thing. Like you don't want people to know about that. And then, you know, it's the whole sexuality thing. And so you really don't want people to know anything about that. So it was like really it was hard. It was difficult. So we went on our first date, we went on our first date. And of course, it was just like friends, right? We're just going to watch a movie, right? It was just a comedy, right? So, you know, whatever. We're just going to watch comedy. So he happened to, he happened to see um, one of his frat brothers. Um, his frat brother was out on a date with his girlfriend. <laughs> and... I, when when she saw us, like I didn't know who she was, like I honestly didn't know who she was. When she saw us, she tried to turn around as if to say, "I don't want to get into this, so I'm gonna turn in the opposite direction." And by me turning in the opposite direction, I'm gonna get my boyfriend, and, you know. And he did. He turned in the opposite direction, but this boy that I'm going on a date with, his dumbass. He decides to walk over to him and introduce himself like, hey, bro, what's going on? Yada, yada, yada. I'm like, you big dumb fuck. <laughs> like, why are you going to the movies with me on a Friday night? Everybody is going to see that particular movie either with a whole bunch of their friends or a girlfriend. Right? Girlfriend, boyfriend type situation. But you going with me. Like, dude, can't you see? Like, you're not fooling anybody. But, like, he trying to play it off. Anyway, dumb shit. So, <laughs> moving on. We get to know each other. Um, we spend a whole lot of time with each other. Um, and getting to know each other was a little complicated, to say the least. Um, and so, like, like, he was with me during a very, very difficult time while I was student body vice president. Um, so we were dealing with an issue on campus and, um, well, yeah, uh, you, you listen to it, read, read about it. So I, I really want to talk about, you know, the two of us. So, uh, things progress to the point where he's just like, okay, I've taken stock of you. I know that you will be a good brother for our fraternity. So uh, he's getting me to meet all his, all his chapter brothers, yada, 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 yada. And you know, I'm like, I'm really not thinking too much about it. I'm thinking that he's trying to integrate me into his world. Really? That's what I'm thinking. But at the time he was really just trying to get me to become a member of his fraternity, which I had expressed that I wanted to be a member, but I, you know, I'm not like, I'm not about to transfer to your, uh, to your university that ain't happening nah mm, nah mm, mm, nah never so anyway so one thing leads to another and i realized that the student body president was supposed to be the dean of students you know after i went to the informational and he saw me he looked me up and down and was just like he just kept on walking <laughs> 
Like I'm not, I'm, you know, like nothing. All right. Well, you know, I, I know that's part of it, you know, whatever, but like, you can't speak to me like nothing. Like, and then from that point, like everybody just started like pointing at me, looking at me like him, him, him. And I'm like, oh, fuck. And then he, student body president, he was on the side, you know, he was, he was, he, he, he had relations. <laughs> he had relations with the, with the junior, the junior class president. And she was real close with like, she and I were like real close in sophomore year. Um, but she had become close with, you know, the person that I'm, that I've been dating. And so like both of us were close with her, but she didn't know it. So, so she was feeding him information about, um, the, the student body president. Um, I'm trying, I'm trying my best not to use names because, you know, you know, I, you know, I don't want to, <laughs> I don't want to. I don't want to tell people's business if they're not ready to to tell it themselves. Um, And then, you know, people's recollection. My recollection of things might not be what other people remember. So, you know, it's that whole situation. But anyway, so she's she's telling, um, for lack of a better word, she's telling pain, uh, the person that I've been kicking it with, all about um, Ivory, the student body president. And so... Ivory confides in her um, that there's no way in hell that I would ever make the line. And it's simply because I'm his vice president and he believes in his heart that that I was trying to get him impeached. Well, I wasn't trying to get him impeached until he lied to me. Right. And he lied to me about the whole situation. And I asked him, you know, months ahead of it like if he had told me in the summer that you know what he was doing then at that point guess what i knew and so it would have been in my best interest to cover that shit up but that's not what he did he lied and so i'm feeling you know you know i'm feeling betrayed and all kinds of shit so you know, I'm letting everything happen. Like, I'm not going to insert myself in the situation, but I'm going I'm going to let everyone, you know, openly talk about impeaching you. Right. And the truth of it was is that I didn't even get a vote. I didn't even get a vote. I'm, I was his vice president. I, I had no vote in the matter. All I did was just presided over Senate meetings anyway. So he tells Angela that I will not become a member of his fraternity. So she tells, and and mind you, I'm like, I'm laying on his chest and I can hear it. I can, I can hear her say this. Okay. So I knew it's true. I knew it was true. I knew it was true. Even though she was prone to exaggerations, but that was like a gross exit. Like, there's no way that she would have lied about that. Like, that's not an exaggeration. That's that would have been a, a blatant lie. Anyway, so then he tries to get me on online through his chapter, a whole new university, and I make line. So I skipped over some stuff, but yes, I made line. 
Ah. <laughs> if you have questions about past episodes or maybe even future episodes, call in. Perhaps I'll answer. <laughs> and by the way, my one of my line brothers and Facebook reminded me. Well, actually, I, I remembered it before either one of those two things happened. But today is uh, 22 years to the day from the day that I crossed my fraternity. So I have been in my fraternity for over 22 years. <sighs> Sometimes I wonder what my life would be like if I had not crossed. Sometimes I wish I had not crossed. Sometimes I feel like my life would be so much easier had I not crossed. And then other times I feel like my life would have been so much worse had I not crossed. It comes with a mixed bag, ladies and gentlemen. It's truly a mixed bag. 